listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. You can enjoy more messages like this and more with the free Courage Matters app, available in your app store. To invite Michael to speak to your group, visit CourageMatters.com and click on the Your Story tab. Hold on to your seat and open your heart as Mike teaches us from God's Word. It has been said that imitation is the greatest form of flattery, the most sincere form of flattery. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, imitation is the greatest form of worship. Now, we are in a Vision for Life series where we've been talking about God's vision for every single life, every single family, every single church on God's green earth. And if you're in California, even though your earth's not too green right now, still applies to you. We've been talking about God's mission for every single life, every single family, every single church. It applies to every family around the whole world. And we've been talking about the five core values that every life, every family, and every church should possess and prioritize. We've talked about simplicity. We've talked about the movement of God. Now we're going to talk about a new value. But this is not just a value. This particular value is unlike the other four values. This particular value actually is the seed The seed that causes each of the other four values to sprout. I have in my hand four packets of seeds. And this is the time of the year when we begin to till our ground. We begin to dig that up. Maybe some of you, if you live where I live, where there are too many rocks in the ground, you have an above-ground garden on purpose, you know, the kind where you put the wood out and you put fresh new dirt into it because the dirt might as well be cement. You can't dig into it. Some of you have greenhouses, hothouses, but no matter what it is that you have, it all begins with seed. And this particular value we talk about today is the seed through which all of the other four values sprout. Each of the other four values sprouts from this particular value. Now, this value that we're going to talk about today is different than each of the other four values because it's not only a value. It is the only of the five values that is essential for your life, essential for your family, essential for a church. It's the only one of all of the five values that is essential that is not just a value, but it is also a character trait. It is also a character trait. And it's just like God to do that to us. It's just like God to teach us that everything of value, everything of eternal significance sprouts from character. Everything that you do, everything that I do, is a result of character. For better, or worse. Good behavior comes from good character. And behavior that's eternally significant comes from godly character. See, we can behave in ways that appear to be righteous in the eyes of others, but if our motives are not what they should be, the Bible says that God will judge the secret motives of men's hearts, not just the actions of each of us, but also the motives of each of us for why we do the things that we do. 
And so it's not just our behavior that might appear to be nice and upright and moral and kind and polite. If the motive is from a reason that does not glorify God, then the action itself is invalidated. Imitation is the greatest form of worship when it comes to following and adoring Jesus Christ. And I would say this, do not confuse adoration of Jesus with imitation of Jesus. Do not confuse adoration of Jesus with imitation of Jesus. If we are not in the process of imitating Jesus, if imitation is lacking, adoration is insignificant. With this particular value, with this particular character trait, in your own life, you will go very far with God. And without it, you'll be stuck in the mud. With this particular value, with this particular character trait, your entire family will be transformed. Absolutely transformed, unrecognizable, with this trait as a preoccupation. Yes, a preoccupation, and we're going to see how important preoccupation is. With this value, any church, any group of families, any group of individuals who claim to follow Jesus Christ, who claim to be imitators of Jesus Christ, will be absolutely, fundamentally transformed. Turn with me in our Father's Word to James chapter 4. James chapter 4 in our Father's Word, beginning with verse 1. What causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions, your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself, makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? Probably a reference to Exodus chapter 20 where it talks about God's spirit being jealous and therefore we should not make any idol. We should not worship any other God but the Lord God. Verse 6, but he gives us more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. The character trait from which all other values that we've been discussing and we're going to discuss. The character trait that causes the rest of them to sprout, causes the rest of those, those values to soar and to excel is the value and the character trait of humility. 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 Now, it's interesting here that the book of James is probably one of the earliest books in the New Testament written. 
probably written between 40 and 50 AD. That puts it, if it's early or a late date, between 7 to 17 years in the time of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, the ascension. And so we get an understanding right here that most likely it's James, Jesus' brother, Galatians chapter 1, verse 19, talks about Paul, the apostle, meeting with James, the brother of the Lord. It's probably James who wrote this book, or at least, at the very least, if you're super liberal, I will concede. At least James endorsed the book, and therefore it bears his name. As far as the human author, we know that all Scripture is God-breathed, and therefore it has a divine author, God himself. But it should be something of noteworthy interest to us that this book was written so early after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the ascension, and that early in the life of the church, it was understood that without humility, we ain't going nowhere. Without humility, we're not going anywhere with God. Humility and Christianity go hand in glove. Remember, admiration means nothing if there's not imitation. Imitation is not just the most sincere form of flattery. Imitation, when it comes to Jesus Christ, is the most sincere, the purest form of worship. All of life is influenced by what preoccupies us. All of life is influenced by what preoccupies us. If you are preoccupied with money, then all of your life revolves around how to get more. You find that you struggle with why you don't have enough. If your life is preoccupied with notoriety, if your life is preoccupied with eliminating all peer pressure, if you find yourself being a people pleaser, if that preoccupies you, then every part of your life will be affected by that preoccupation. Every single part of your life. Life is heavily influenced by whatever it is that preoccupies us. Notice what James says in the first few verses here. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Now, you might think that James is only speaking about money. Of course, he's speaking about rich oppressors here in the book of James. But one of the key themes in the book of James is the theme of humility. We have a such a hard time saying humility today, don't we? We have an even harder time embracing it. This is why when we go to third world countries and we help the body of Christ in third world countries, when we go on missions trips, we're so enamored, so impressed, so blown away by, by how they gave us their best food, how they gave us their best song in worship, how they gave the Lord their best song in worship, how they gave and they give they're very best to visitors, to guests, and we get so blown away. You know why? Because in third world countries, they don't have all these other things that are preoccupying them. They put us to shame. See, what happens is we start off with God. God blesses us, gives us material blessings, gives us protection, 
It's a big thing today, isn't it? Protection. We're so afraid in the United States of America of not being protected anymore. We don't understand that it's not an issue of protection. It's not an issue of what, how God has protected us. It's an issue of unhindered worship of God. That no matter what might come, no matter what might be on the horizon for us, it should not concern us, ultimately speaking, because as for me and my house, as for you and your house, as for you and your life, the only concern of our lives should be what preoccupies God. And the only thing that should be preoccupying your life and mine should be a pursuit of imitating Jesus Christ. That's the only thing. And that's why we're having difficulty in the United States of America. We've lost our preoccupation with unadulterated imitation of Jesus Christ. And I'm afraid that we have confused adoration for Jesus with imitation of Jesus. Verse 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Your passions. Nine out of ten problems relationally in life are due to a lack of humility on the part of one person or more people. Nine out of ten problems. Nine out of ten marital problems. Nine out of ten marital problems are due to a lack of humility on the part of one or more of the people. And the other 10% of the problems that exist are much more easily navigated through if there is humility if there is humility in the people who are found. You know, most church splits do not happen over doctrinal differences. They don't. Most church splits don't even happen over moral failure in the sexual way that we typically tend to see as the number one issue. Most church splits, and the reason why God stops blessing a church is because of the passions that wage within the people because this group of people wants that and that group of people wants this and this group of people wants that and the pastors and the church leaders get pulled in every direction because if we're not careful we start pleasing people this group of people wants this so I should do that and maybe this group of people has more money than that group of people, so I might be swayed by this group of people. That's why I don't want to know what you give individually. I don't care what you give individually. I don't want to be swayed by what anybody gives individually because what you give financially will not influence me, must not influence me, because it should not and must not influence the movement of God among his people. It can't. But I'm telling you, as any pastor worth his salt could tell you, and the larger the church, the more this becomes an issue, people have passions. Me, myself, and I, we should do this. I want to do that. I want to do that. And the context of this whole passage in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10, is the context of pride versus humility. Your opinion and my opinion does not matter unless... Your opinion, or my opinion, is the opinion of God. If God's given you the ability to make money, then 
Thank him for it, but don't put your hope in that money. Don't become enamored with the things that that money buys. Jesus said it's harder for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to get through the eye of the needle. So if you're not rich, thank God that you won't struggle. Because you know what the number one thing is that a rich person struggles with? It is not money. The number one thing a rich person struggles with is the control that money gives you. The richer you are, the more you can control. The more you tell other people what to do and how to do it. And the more you get into the practice of telling other people what to do and how to do it, guess what you might do with God without realizing it. You could begin to tell God what he can and cannot do in your own life. What causes quarrels and fighting and disagreement? It is, in a word, pride. That's the reason why churches split. That's the reason why churches don't get blessed by God. That's the reason why marriages split. That's the reason why we have relational difficulties. It's all one word, pride. In fact, All sin can be traced back to the sin of pride. All sin can be traced back to the sin of pride. It was the devil's sin, it was Adam's sin in the garden, and it's your sin and mine too. Find an area where you're sinning and really dig deep as to why it's happening or why it's not happening. See, there's not just sins that we commit. There are also sins that we are guilty of because we omit. We don't do the things we should do. Sins of commission, sins of omission. Every single one of those sins, if you dig deep enough, can be traced back to a root of pride. Self-dependence, self-reliance rather than dependence upon God faith in God. In fact, Romans chapter 14, the last verse, Romans chapter 14, the last verse says, whatever does not come from faith is sin. All sin can be traced to pride, and all freedom can be traced to humility. All freedom can be traced to humility. I'll say it one more time because it's that important. All freedom in your personal life, all freedom in your family, all freedom within a church can be traced back to humility. Humility is not just important. Humility is imperative. It's absolutely essential. How essential? So we're going to spend some time in the future talking about what humility looks like. But before we even get there, at what humility looks like, we have to understand how important humility is. Why is humility so important to God? Why is humility, why must humility be absolutely central to you? Why must humility be absolutely central to your family? Why must humility be absolutely vital, absolutely imperative, absolutely non-negotiable? when it comes to the body of Christ. Because as humility goes, so goes the power and the blessing and the freedom 
and the enjoyment of God. Look with me at James chapter 4, verse 6. He, God, gives us more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. A reference to the book of Proverbs chapter 3 in the context of verses 33 through 35. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 33 through 35. See, when we see a writer of Scripture referencing an Old Testament passage, we would do well to go and look at that Old Testament passage and to understand how it's used in its original context. And that sheds light not only on the original context in the Old Testament, but also the modern context for us now in the 21st century. And so what James is doing is he's referencing Proverbs chapter 3, particularly in verse 34, but the context is, it really begins in verse 33. And it's potent, it's powerful, it's frightening. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners or the mockers, he is scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor. That's what's being referenced, verse 34. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. You know, in the book of Proverbs, to be a fool is synonymous, it's equal to being wicked. To being wicked, the wicked person is the fool, the fool is the wicked person. The righteous person is the wise person, the wise person is the righteous person. The wise person is the one whom God blesses, the fool is the one that God curses and pronounces judgment on. Now you might say to yourself, but I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. All of my sins were nailed to the cross. God looks at me with favor, and he does. God is not ticked off at you if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. This is so important to understand. So important to understand. I had a woman from England tweeting me early this morning, struggling, struggling with her own identity because she thinks that God is mad at her. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God is not mad at you. He placed all of his wrath on Jesus Christ. How much of it? So much it cost Jesus his life. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me, Jesus said. All of your sin, all of the wrath of God because of your sin and mine was placed on Jesus on the cross. And when Jesus said, it is finished, he didn't wink after he said that. So when God looks at you, he looks at you with favor, with pleasure. But see, we've got to reconcile now. The problem is that there is a tension here in the book of James. There's a tension because early on in the church's life, early on in the understanding of Christianity, James wrote his book. And James' audience is not primarily unbelievers. Of course, there are always unbelievers when the church gathers. There are always people who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior and their God. When a group of believers gather, especially the larger the size, the more potential there is. Hopefully, you're inviting unbelievers, not yet believers. Notice the way I said that? Hopefully, you're inviting those who are not yet believers to church. This is the Holy Spirit Hospital where people can hear the great news of the gospel. How are they going to hear unless somebody invites them? 
So you should be inviting people to church on a regular, ongoing basis. And I would say that here's a simple way that we've provided that for you to be able to do. When you leave the auditorium, there are baskets with these little, simple business card-sized things that you can carry around with you. And when you see a waitress or a waiter, or when you run into somebody or your neighbor or whatever, you give them one of these cards. We're not just telling you to invite people. We're giving you tools on how to make it easy. And the more you get into the practice of inviting people, the easier it is to have people come. So when you leave today, go out the auditorium and pick up a couple of those cards and carry them with you and invite people. What we have to reconcile here in James is that he's addressing believers. And one of the key things that he's addressing in the life of the believer is the dangerous, destructive nature of pride. So I don't know about you, but I accepted Jesus Christ quite a few years ago. Maybe you did too. Maybe it's just been a moment ago. But I've noticed something, and you will too as time goes on. Although God saves us and he redeems us, he buys us back and he removes every single one of our sins in regard to the guilt, there's still this thing that I have to deal with in my mind and in my heart and in this body. When I woke up today, I still had to make a choice of whether or not I was going to simply admire Jesus or imitate Jesus. In your family, you have to do that same thing. Is my family just going to give lip service to Jesus or get really serious about Jesus? That's the primary problem in the church in the West. We have replaced imitation of Jesus with admiration of Jesus. Who cares about lip service? In fact, the Scripture says these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. What preoccupies you will heavily influence all of your life. James is addressing the issue of humility. He's addressing the issue of pride for every single believer, and it's just as relevant and just as pertinent today as it was then. Look with me at James chapter 4, verse 6. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That reference from Proverbs chapter 3. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Haven't you noticed that there's times when in this thick skull of ours there seems to be two minds operating? I have a more difficult time remembering things with the one mind I'm trying to prioritize. But if you're like me, you often struggle with being double-minded. Am I going to imitate Jesus, or am I simply going to give him lip service? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Oh, how we like verse 7. We want to quote and reference and camp on verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. But then we forget the other parts. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. 
Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. This is really serious imagery that the Holy Spirit inspired James to write word for word. This is really a very serious picture that God is presenting through James for each and every one of us as Christ's followers. We are to get so serious with our humility before God that it should evoke an emotional response. You can tell what makes you affectionate, what makes you passionate by what hits you at an emotional level. And that's why pornography, that's why it's so destructive. Because it numbs you down. I'm not speaking just to men. The rise of pornography among women is going through the roof. One of the first things I do when I am counseling somebody and there's a marital issue and one of the spouses is disconnected for a long period of time, I'll ask exploratory questions through the time of that counseling to find out, is there an issue with pornography? Because if you're involved in pornography, if you're involved in pornography, eventually something has to happen to you at an emotional level where you're no longer connected with people because the idolatry has taken such a strong root. James is helping us understand that pride, the opposite of humility, is so significant that he would write an entire book about it. He'd write an entire book about the importance of humility individually and, of course, in families and, of course, in the body of Christ. And there are multiple examples that James gives throughout his book, but the principle is the same. All sin can be traced back to the sin of pride. It is the mother of all sins. Pride is the mother of all sins. It is the seed from which all other sin sprouts. And you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, as imitators of Jesus Christ, as imitators of Jesus Christ, what we need is a tremendous awakening to the importance and the centrality of why God requires humility. And I'm not trying to be passionate I'm failing in being passionate. I am not doing justice to this passage. Think about this. Every single time you've moved forward in your walk with God, it was because you embraced humility. And every single time you didn't walk with God, every single time you were stuck in your spiritual walk, it's because humility was lacking. That is so true. I have found that to be the case in my life. Every single time a church is stuck, every single time, not some of the time, all the time. Every single time a ministry is stuck. I'm not talking about not necessarily growing. Sometimes you have growth spurts, and there are reasons where God grows, and God has timing and circumstances. I'm talking about stuck Every single time a church is stuck, every single time a family is stuck, every single time you were stuck in your walk with God, 
It was because this value, this trait of humility was lacking. And every single time you moved forward in your walk with God, every single time you have moved forward in your walk with God, it is because you have prioritized, you have embraced humility. Can I get an amen for that? That's true. Now, the most famous passage of all in regard to spiritual warfare is Ephesians chapter 6, the full armor of God. But there are other passages, in fact, the whole Bible is about spiritual warfare, really, and really when you consider spiritual warfare, there's a whole lot of physical interaction involved with spiritual warfare because there are people involved. This passage in James is actually a passage about spiritual warfare. See, the first thing you've got to do in your own life, the first thing I've got to do in my own life, the first thing we've got to do in our families, the first thing we've got to do in the church is to determine who is resisting us. Because if God opposes the proud, you see where we're going with this? The newest believer, seconds old in Jesus Christ, can submit themselves to God, resist the devil, and the devil must flee. You have it right there in the Word of God. That's spiritual warfare just from the book of James. But if God is your problem, if God is my problem, if God is our problem, then only God is your solution. Only God is my solution. Only God is our solution. And you and I can resist the devil all day long, and he must flee from us based on the way we do it in Scripture. We submit ourselves to God. We resist the devil, and he flees from us. We can resist the devil all day long and win every single time, not nine times out of ten, but ten times out of ten, but nobody has ever resisted God and come out a winner. Nobody. Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace, undeserved favor to the humble. See, we don't fully understand grace. We think that God owes us something. That's not grace. See, God could have saved us and not done anything else in regard to kindness toward us. He's not obligated to be kind toward us even after he decided to save us. It's all undeserved favor. It is the undeserved favor of God that he chose and he chooses to bless us when he's under no human obligation. And that's what it means when it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The first thing you've got to do in your life, the first thing I've got to do in my life, the first thing you've got to do in your family, the first thing I've got to do in my family, the first thing you've got to do in the church or in the ministry that you're part of. If you are encountering opposition, it's time to go take a good, spiritual, long look in the Holy Spirit mirror and get some time before God and ask him, am I really imitating you have you really been the one that I am preoccupied with? Or are there desires within me that I want that you might not have birthed? 
Not all desires of the heart are birthed by God and therefore endorsed by God. The first thing you've got to do in your life and your family and in the church and in the ministry is to determine who is opposing you because it's futile. It's fruitless. It's pointless. It's frustrating. It's aggravating. You ain't going nowhere. I ain't going anywhere. Nobody's going anywhere if God is the one who's resisting. And what's taught here in James is the absolutely important thing that you have to prioritize in your life. It's your decision, not God's. You must humble yourself. You must be preoccupied with imitating Jesus Christ because if you're not preoccupied with it, something else will preoccupy your attention and mine. Now look with me at 1 Peter chapter 5. The amazing thing here is that we have not just James talking about the importance of humility and the importance of God opposing people who have pride, but we have Peter talking about that same thing. In 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 5, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Same passage of Scripture reference, Proverbs chapter 3, one of those unique situations in Scripture where we have two New Testament authors referencing the same Old Testament passage of Scripture and using it in the exact same way. And this, like Ephesians 6, this, like James chapter 4, should also be one that you are familiar with and that you really dig deep down into because this also has to deal with spiritual warfare. See, spiritual warfare is not primarily about what the devil's doing. Spiritual warfare is primarily about what God is doing. Spiritual warfare is primarily about what God is doing and then therefore who is opposing what God is doing. That's what spiritual warfare is. Raise your sights to a higher understanding of what spiritual warfare is about. Dig deep into the Word of God and let it get deep down into the recesses of who you are. Let the Word of God transform you that you understand that the primary preoccupation of your life and your family and the church must be to imitate Jesus Christ. The devil wanted to imitate God, not in character, but as the center of attention. Christ followers want to imitate God, not as the center of attention, but in character. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another because if you don't, God will oppose you. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time, he, God, may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he, God, cares for you. Be sober-minded. Don't let yourself smoke some kind of spiritual deception. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith. Do you understand that when you tolerate pride, you are susceptible to an onslaught of satanic opposition? 
Your enemy, my enemy, the enemy of Jesus, the enemy of the church prowls around like a roaring, ravenous, hungry lion looking for somebody who's got just a little bit of pride. Just a little bit is all it takes to be devoured. Just a little bit is all it takes to incur the active opposition of God. We don't have time for the active opposition of God. It's nearly midnight, folks. We don't have time to play church. We don't have time to quarrel with each other. We don't have time to give opposition to God. We don't. Oh, God, help me to communicate this. Lord. First Peter. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Do we believe that the word of God is true? Seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that all the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. What you don't need is the approval of other people. You don't need and I don't need the approval of the world. You don't need and I don't need the approval of anybody else. All we need is to be confirmed by God. Let the devil resist us, but let it be for a reason other than the fact that God has withdrawn and left us vulnerable. All of life is shaped by what preoccupies you. Do not confuse being enamored with Jesus as the same thing as being an imitator of Jesus. Remember that God actively opposes those who oppose him. And that warning, that, that message is for Christians, Christ followers, because God knows that the tendency for you and for me is to be double-minded. But we must have the mind of Christ. And when we do, Humility. The Lord himself will become the one who preoccupies us. And when we are preoccupied with Jesus, our lives change. Families change. The church changes. The Spirit of God moves. You see how simple this is? All of the other values we've talked about and we're going to talk about have their birth their genesis, their sprouting in the value and the character trait of humility because without humility, we're not going anywhere. You've been listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. We'd love to hear how this message impacted you. To share your story, visit couragematters.com and click on the Your Story tab. If you enjoyed this message, you'll love Michael Anthony's Courage Matters Podcast where he focuses on leadership, relationships, and world events. To learn more, visit couragematters.com. In the meantime, keep looking up. There's no place else worth looking.